0: My family is delighted to be uh, with you today. I'm so thankful that God gave us the opportunity to come here. Uh, Many of you do know me, if you don't. uh, My name is uh, Ben Kerfman, Uh, my wife Rebecca and I and our six children were uh, here at Barberville for six years uh, serving in family ministry and um, teaching and uh, a variety of other things and Uh, it brings me great joy to see all these familiar faces and new faces and kids everywhere and uh, i thought we had a lot of kids when we left and uh, the lord has uh, certainly supplied so um, somebody somebody said that i should take some credit for some of the the teaching but um i don't think i can take credit for that as i told nate earlier um some plant and some water but god gives the increase right So before I go into the message this morning, I do just want to give you an update. Um, The reason why I'm not an elder here anymore, by the way, is because this church commissioned our family um, to Western New York to replant a church um, in June of 2022. And so we currently live in Albion, New York, um, which is about an hour in between Buffalo and Rochester. Um, So not New York City. Everybody thinks it's New York City. Albion, I explained to people, Albion is like a flat version of Leicester. So uh, if, you, if you can imagine uh, that the second week that we moved up there, a giant diesel truck with a Confederate flag flying behind it drove past my house in New York of all places. So it's not, uh, it's not too different um, from Haywood County. Um, but the, they needed a, a gospel preaching church there. So I just want to give you a, a little bit of information about our church and why it needs to be there. Um, and then also some things that God has done um, we do an email newsletter, uh, to try to do one every month. If you're not on that, I would love to have you on there that has more pictures and things like that. But if you haven't gotten any updates, I want to just encourage you with, with what the Lord has been doing. Um, so we're currently the only Southern Baptist church in our county. Um, the next closest, uh, church to us is 40 minutes away. Um, our Baptist association, uh, to give you an idea, we have, uh, six Baptist associations in the state of New York. Uh, There's 500 or less uh, churches in the Baptist Convention of New York. There's about 5,000 in North Carolina. Um, Our local association is now 36 churches in eight counties. Um, Haywood Baptist Association is over 60 churches in one county, if that gives you an idea of the difference. And I say 36 because there were 40 churches when we moved there, and we closed 10% of the churches in our association last year. Um, And so uh, it is a, a very challenging area um, to do ministry. Um, but we believe that a small church can have a big impact. So our church originally began in 2016. Um, we currently, uh, own a building that was formerly the United Methodist Church in town. Um, that's over 150 years old. The parsonage that my family lives in next door had its first pastor live there in 1866. Um, and some of the building still shows that. And, uh, we live across the street from the courthouse. So we're right in the middle of the town, Um, We can walk pretty much anywhere that we need to go. Um, Albion is a village of about 5,000 people. Um, Our county, Orleans County, is uh, 40,000. Haywood County is 60,000. So again, a a smaller community. Um, The way that we're spread out is kind of like a grid. You have a a village, then you have 15 minutes of farmland in every direction, and then other villages is kind of the way that it's uh, structured. We live in a neighborhood where there's hundreds of people that could walk to church. Uh, on Sunday morning, if that's something that they wanted to do. Um, I have found one other uh, pastor in the community who um, is like-minded in doctrine and preaches expositionally. Um, In the last two years, I've found uh, one in our community. And so we've been able to partner with them some. Um, And other than that, uh, there's a lot of issues. So if you don't know the history of Western New York, Western New York uh, has connections to several cults and movements that preach another gospel. So I know several of us have done ministry with Mormons. Um, Joseph Smith's first vision and the beginning of Mormonism was about an hour away from us in Palmyra, New York. Um, so the LDS started there. Jehovah's Witnesses are based out of New York. The Millerites, Seventh day Adventism. Uh, I recently found out spiritualism, the Fox sisters who started practicing spiritualism and witchcraft are less than an hour uh, away from us. Um, the Shakers, the Foyerists. Basically, if you look up any a heretical group that came out of the Second Great Awakening. They pretty much started in our area. So there's a lot of confusion. And then you've got cultural Catholicism on top of that. Um, uh, The American Bible Society listed Buffalo and Rochester, our neighbors on either end, as the two least Bible-minded cities in the United States for many years. Um, So uh, when you talk to somebody, you are talking to an unreached people group. We have teenagers in our community that have asked who Jesus is. Uh, We've had kids at our kids' school that have asked them if they can have a Bible because they've never seen one before. Um, it is an unreached people group. Uh, so the Lord led us there. It's a long story, but uh, obviously with, with the way that he has blessed uh, this church and blessed our church, it's obvious that uh, we were following his will when he led us up there um, a year and a half ago. And uh, I preach verse by verse uh, similar to what we do here. So, so far we've done First John on what does it mean to to be a Christian? How can you know that you have eternal life? We did Ephesians on what is the church? Um, And then uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. I'm gonna bring a message from 1 Corinthians 13 today. And we're currently going through the book of Acts. And so we're in Acts chapter 16. uh, This morning is uh, what they're working on there. Um, So let me just share with you quickly some things that God has done. Um, In a year and a half, we've had five professions of faith that I know of. Um, Five people have come to Christ. Uh, we currently have three people in our congregation that God has saved out of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, uh, two, of, two of those three people, we've had three baptisms um, since then. Uh, currently, our church has 13 members. Uh, our Sunday morning attendance went from five to approximately 50 uh, with several kids. And then a, a big step that we had is uh, the beginning of this month, February 4th, uh, we officially replanted. So we adopted a new constitution and bylaws. Um, We adopted a new name, so uh, probably around the middle of this year, the name of the church will change from North Point Chapel to Canal Side Community Church because we're located literally next to the Erie Canal. Um, We also elected a new elder who's preaching today. His name is Jim. He also leads worship for us. Um, And so we now have three elders, and we elected a new deacon uh, who was one of the men that I led to the Lord uh, out of the Jehovah's Witnesses that's now one of our deacons. and so God has really blessed us uh, in, a, in a short amount of time, incredibly. We've also done several remodeling projects. So last year, uh, mission teams that came from Mississippi, North Carolina uh, and other states invested probably over 50 or 60,000 dollars into building repairs for our facility, uh, including a new kitchen, including some work on our stage area. Uh, the short story is, our sanctuary building was actually condemned. Um, whenever the church bought it in 2017. So uh, it is very beautiful now, but it has required a lot of work. And so one of the things that we do every summer is have mission teams come and help do projects to try to get the uh, the church and the parsonage uh, fully functional, and God has supplied that. Um, so just be, be praying for us. Be praying for the ministry there. You all have a share in that, obviously, um, because you're the ones that sent us. And so Um, Rebecca and I are currently in the assessment process for the North American Mission Board to be officially church planners. We're doing it backwards because we just did it New Testament style, and now we need to get their stamp of approval to give us money. Um, so, uh, we told them, hey, we're doing this because God said, and if you guys want to be a part of it, that's fine, but we're just going to kind of do it, uh, the way that it's worked for 1900 years. So we're going through that process now, and then hopefully we'll get, um, some additional funding from that. Uh, over 50% of our budget last year came from outside sources. Um, Orleans County, where we're at, is one of the poorest counties in New York State. Um, the poverty rate is almost 20% there. Um, and so uh, we do we do appreciate the support and and all that, that we've given you or that you have given to us um, and ask you to keep praying for us. Okay, so that's a little update. Um, we'll be hanging around this afternoon, so feel free to ask me anything else that you want. Let's Let's jump into uh, God's Word here. So 1 Corinthians 13 um, is where we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, That's a familiar chapter to many of you, uh, often referred to as the love chapter. So if you found your way there, will you stand with me um, as we read God's Word together this morning? The Bible says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Father, we ask that you would bless the reading and preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me to preach beyond my ability today so that it is evident that it is your Holy Spirit at work um, and not me. Lord, I pray that you would put a guard over my mouth, that I would only say things that are profitable and edifying for your people. And uh, Lord, that you would even uh, help my body today uh, as I use my voice, that you would uh, strengthen it uh, for your purposes and that you would uh, bless those who hear. And again, Lord, help us to be Uh, doers and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I want you to to picture uh, two different situations with me um, as we go into this text this morning. You're going to have to use your imagination and your five senses, but I hope that the this illustration will be helpful to you. The first thing that I want you to picture is a hospital, a hospital lab or a hospital room. I want you to think about your five senses and what you experience in a hospital. Here's some things that I, that I write down when I think about a hospital. Harsh fluorescent lighting when you go into the hospital. Uh, beeping and mechanical sounds. Uh, the smell of rubbing alcohol and hand sanitizer. Uh, the feeling of cold stainless steel tables the taste of a wooden tongue depressor. You guys know the popsicle sticks they use? Those were the the things that kind of came to my mind. So picture that in your mind. The second picture is similar but different. Picture a greenhouse. In a greenhouse, I think of uh, warm sunlight. Uh, Birds, insects, and running water are things that I can hear in a greenhouse. Uh, The smell of flowers and dirt. Um, the feeling of moist soil in your hands or or humid air around you when you're inside of a greenhouse, Uh, the flavor of a fresh tomato if you pick a tomato and, and you eat it right out of a garden or out of a greenhouse. And the title of the message that I want to bring to you this morning is that cleanliness is next to godlessness. Cleanliness is next to godlessness. Because I think these two pictures can show us as we think about them in the context of what Scripture tells us love is, two different types of churches. And we, we all have to examine ourselves of what kind of church are we, what kind of church do we want to be. I have to answer this in my context. You have to answer this in yours. The first thing I want you to, to consider in our text today is that the sterile church stifles growth. The sterile church stifles growth. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. A hospital has money, it has equipment, and it has a specialist but it kills what it can't control. That's what we do in hospitals. We, we kill what we can't control. The lab workers will sterilize a lab so that only the bacteria in a pe- petri dish survives for research purposes. So when you go into a lab, you don't want chemicals and blood and all kinds of stuff all over the place. That, that defeats the purpose of your research. You're only trying to focus on one particular thing. And so you put that in a container, you sterilize everything else so that you can study it and it's a controlled environment to study bacteria or viruses or or whatever it is that you need to do. In the same way, a sterile church can have money, equipment, buildings, pastors and and, uh, ministry leaders and do the same thing. They can kill spiritual spiritual growth and spiritual gifts that they can't control by restricting them into the petri dish of a, a class or a small group or some kind of project that they're doing. Uh, a sterile church uh, wants to be able to see God do something within a specific parameter that they're comfortable with. And everything else that seems uncomfortable gets sterilized. And so a sterile church stifles growth. Fat budgets, fancy buildings, and full bellies do not add up to faithfulness. I know, I know you guys recognize that because I know the values of this church. But when when we look around... And American evangelicalism, that's that's a lot of the mentality. Uh, budgets, bu- buildings, and bellies. that That's what success is for a church. Uh, those things may come whenever we love God and each other, but without love, they won't bring life. Uh, the pagans can, can feed the homeless. Uh, the pagans can construct nice buildings. The pagans can uh, raise money for things, uh, but that doesn't produce life. It it doesn't save people, it doesn't forgive sins. A challenge I would issue to many of you who are are like me, who love studying theology, one of the things that the Lord has really convicted me about um, since we moved in, in our current environment is this, that if you can answer more questions about systematic theology than you can about the souls of your neighbors, coworkers, family members, and friends, you need to repent because Jesus valued the obedience of his disciples over the intelligence of the scribes and the Pharisees. I'm I'm not against studying any of you that know me, know that I I love to do that. Um, But for all the knowledge I have, if if I don't have love, it, it profits me nothing. The scribes and the Pharisees had knowledge, but they didn't love God. And that's why they hated Jesus. Second thing I want you to see in our text, is that the fertile church stimulates growth. So the sterile church stifles growth, but the fertile church stimulates growth. Look at verse four. Love is patient, love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And so like like that hospital lab, a greenhouse also has money and equipment and specialists. But in a greenhouse, you encourage things to grow even though you can't control the growth. Uh, It's not sterilized. If you sterilize all of the bacteria in a greenhouse, nothing will grow. Those those things are necessary in order for plants and, and these things to have life. And so there's a difference between controlling growth, which is what a sterile church does, and managing growth, which is what a fertile church does. Stewardship is different. Um, you, you're not deciding what does and doesn't grow or what can and can't grow. You're trying to manage and be a good steward of what is growing, of what God is doing. A greenhouse is, is dirty and the workers get messy, but growth happens and fruit is produced. It's, it's messy. And in the same way in the church, when, when we love God and others, it is messy and imperfect. But growth happens and spiritual fruit is produced. We must be careful to keep our eyes up from our books so that we can see God working in people around us. And we have to be careful to avoid dismissing the will of God because the Spirit's work challenges our notions of Him. This is something that's been really hard for me because uh, Chris Chris uh, remembers this. One of the first Sundays that I was here at Barberville, uh, Chris used uh, the pronoun it to to refer to the Holy Spirit in a sermon. And I corrected him on it after the service and said, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The pronoun that he has chosen for himself is he. And that was before uh, people even knew what pronouns were. Um, And that, that is how he has referred to himself. And so we should also refer to him that way because it acknowledges his personhood. And I would have vehemently defended to you the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the fact that he is a person and that he is God but I didn't know him that well. And I've gotten to know him a lot better in the last year and a half. And one of the things that I've learned about the Holy Spirit is that uh, he has a will and his will is always consistent with what he's revealed in scripture. He will never do anything that contradicts what God has said in scripture. And yet in everyday situations, as a real person, he may decide to do things that I'm not comfortable with. And he doesn't have to ask me for permission to do that. And it doesn't have to fit neatly into whatever my understanding of it is. And I'm not saying that means I'm going to start rolling around on the floor or something in the middle of service because I don't think that's consistent with scripture. But it does mean that I've I've worked with some people that are a mess. I've been in some messy situations. I've seen God do things in people's lives where it's like, man, this person's got some really weird doctrine or this situation happened. And like, I see how it's glorifying God, but I, it just kind of makes me uncomfortable. And the Lord's response is, okay, I, I, did, I didn't ask you for permission to do that. What, how are you going to steward it? How are you going to deal with it? Are you going to be a greenhouse or are you going to be the hospital lab? Are you going to sterilize what I'm doing because it makes you uncomfortable? Or are you going to cultivate it and, and nurture it and trust that I know what I'm doing and it's not going to get out of control because I'm real, because I am a real person? and I really do control things. The next thing I want you to see in our text is that this sterile church will fail. The sterile church will fail. Look at verse 8. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. COVID was a great, was a great test for us in this way uh, of testing. Is a church a sterile church or is it a greenhouse church? Is it a fertile church? COVID put everything to the test. And it tested churches whether they were built on love or on something else, uh, which is why a lot of them didn't make it. Uh, the churches that were built on programs and, and budgets took a fatal blow. A lot of them did not survive, and a lot of the ones that are survived are using reserve funds now. They're on life support. That money is going to run out because the money's not there, the people aren't there, the programs aren't there. Whatever it is that they've built it on is going to run out, and that church is going to close. And, and it's happening all over the country. They may never recover because it's not, it's not built on love, because it's sterile. The music is perfect. The preaching is perfect. The temperature in the room is perfect. The greeters are perfect. The coffee is perfect. The kids' ministry is perfect. Everything's sterile. It's clean. It's not messy. We don't have, any, we don't have anybody in, in the building that'll make you uncomfortable. The pastor will never say anything that will make you uncomfortable. Uh, it's, all, it's all just for you. That, that will fail, because it's not loving people. It's or it's loving easy people, not messy people, not the kind of people that Jesus spent his time with. So here, here's the catch: I can say that here because we we survived COVID by God's grace, um, and I think it was because we we really did have love, and we weren't built on a bunch of hype. We were trying to be faithful, and I think God has honored that and is still honoring that even as I look around today. And so we may say Amen in judgment against churches that are built on wood, hay, and stubble. We can point our finger at them and say, you were always a fake church and COVID just proved that you were a fake church and we're not, right? We could do that, but we have to remember that Christ himself is the one who builds the church and not perfect theology. Because we can say, all of my doctrine is correct and that's the reason why. One of the things I've had to learn, uh, I, I know there's a lot of people in here that, that are familiar with Reformed theology, and so you'll understand this sentiment, right? But uh, when, when you first come to the doctrines of grace, you're in the cage stage, right? You have to be put in a cage so you don't hurt some, somebody because you're so excited about the sovereignty of God that only you and your two friends on your back are saved and everybody else is a heretic, okay? And then you move from that into the sage stage. Where you begin to realize that the same grace that you didn't earn that saved you also works for other people that aren't perfect and then you realize that everybody doesn't have to agree with you or even completely agree with god in order to be saved and one of the things that has been so liberating for me and helpful to me is to realize i am not saved by theology i'm saved by christ we believe in an actual atonement when jesus died on the cross for my sins he paid for my sins, and there was no condition of how many articles of faith can I, can I state, or what position do I take on the order of decrees, or how— none of that was a qualification for, for Jesus' payment for my sins. Are those things unimportant? No. Like, we should glorify God with our minds. One of the ways that we do love God is with our minds. So again, I'm, I'm not anti-education by any means, but we have to be careful to remember that person that we think has some weird doctrine— or or that that church around the corner or whatever it is that we're just we don't really agree with them on everything they might still be saved, and it's not because their theology is right, it's because Jesus died for their sins because that's the only way that anybody is saved, so the sterile church will fail and 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 we can be in judgment on those churches, but consider consider Paul's Example to us in Philippians 3, 3 through 11, this is what Paul says. He says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Here's Paul's qualifications for why he should be saved and we shouldn't. Circumcise the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. If you want to see God's kingdom grow, you will have to get your hands dirty. Sometimes that may mean taking someone out for coffee after they leave a message on the church doorbell at 2 a.m. Sometimes it might be setting boundaries with the homeless people who start camping behind your house. Sometimes it is sitting in the hospital with a grieving parent who is wondering if they've made the right choices in life. If those examples seem a little bit specific, it's because they are to me. Your spiritual gift and your intellect won't last forever, but your love will. Spiritual gifts are going to pass away. Our knowledge is going to pass away. It doesn't matter how much we know. When we stand face-to-face with, face face with him, we'll know everything that we need to know. There won't, there won't be any more questions. So what we do now is if we love each other if we're loving our neighbors if we're loving the lord if we're doing that that actually will last forever it's one of the only things that will so the question that i would ask you is how do your hands look how do your hands look do they look dirty or do they look clean are they are they sterile the final thing i want you to consider in our text this morning is the fertile church will flower the fertile church will flower. Look at verses 12 and 13. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. And so some, some of what I've said may have been sobering to you, but I want to I encourage you. I want to encourage you. The greatest season of growth in this church will come when you are loving God and loving your neighbor the most. That's the secret. Everybody wants to know what's the secret to church growth. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What are his commandments? Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law is contained in these things. And so the secret to church growth is loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself, which is obeying Jesus. As Paul said, some plants, some water, but God is the one who gives the increase. He's doing that here. I can see it before me right now. And I'm thankful for that. And as your love for each other increases and your love for your lost neighbors increases and your love for the Lord increases, this church will increase uh, because that is the way that, that God does it. Um, even then, even at the greatest moment of this church, and I hope the greatest days of this church are ahead unless Jesus comes back, that the, that the greatest moment that we will ever have, that you will ever have as a church family, that we will ever have as local churches, is only a, a bud that will fully bloom when Christ returns. We're going to go have a fellowship meal. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to hear from you. I'm excited to see what's going on. I see, I see babies in the room that aren't babies anymore that I prayed for, that God answered miraculous prayers for that are in this room today. I'm so excited about that, and and to think that the joy that we have is just the bud of a flower that's going to bloom at at the return of Christ, that the best fellowship meal that we can ever have is just a taste of the marriage supper of the Lamb is a a wonderful thing. The best days of your life together are ahead as a church. The The best days are ahead, even if persecution comes, even if difficulty comes because those days are determined by your love for each other, not by what the world's doing or or how things are going or whether the lights are on or not. Those things don't determine the love that you have for each other. So in conclusion, I I would just encourage you with the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, it says this. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that, Lord, whether a church grows or doesn't grow, it is not in our hands, Lord. It is your church. Barberville Baptist Church is your church that you have bought with a price that Jesus is building on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with he himself being the cornerstone. And Lord, we thank you for those in here that did not stumble over that cornerstone, Lord, but that they recognized Christ for who he is. And we know that you deserve the credit for that, Lord. We thank you that in your mercy and in your grace, you have opened our eyes uh, to see your love the greatest example that we have of the love that you expect from us is the love that you demonstrated in your son, Jesus, who laid down his life for his friends. And Lord, we thank you for that salvation today. We thank you, Lord, that your love for us, your acceptance of us uh, is not based on us doing everything right. It's not based on us being perfect. It's not based on us Witnessing to a certain amount of people or memorizing a certain amount of Bible verses or avoiding sin a certain amount of time Or we do those things because because we love you because we want to know you and we thank you or that you have not put a heavy yoke on us that we cannot bear But that we can find rest for our souls in Jesus this morning knowing that he has truly done everything that you require and that, Lord, we not only receive the forgiveness of our sins because of his death, but we also receive his perfect righteousness. And, Lord, that is that is more than, than we are able to understand. And we thank you for that. Lord, if there's one here this morning that, that does not understand that, uh, their heart is hardened towards you, Lord. We ask that you would do that work that only you can do, that you would take out that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. Lord, that you would open their eyes to see their need, that they would they would hear about this love that your word talks about and recognize that they don't know what that is. Because as 1 John says, Lord, that you are love and those who don't know you don't know love. And Lord, if there's someone here today that's heard that and they recognize that they don't truly know you, I pray that today would be the day that your Holy Spirit would open their eyes, that you would give them Uh, ears to hear your word, and that they would turn from their sin and they would trust in Jesus alone for their salvation. Nothing else, no works, no personal striving, only Jesus. And that, Lord, that that burden that they've been carrying of, of trying to be a good person or trying to do what they think you expect of them, Lord, that that would be lifted and that they would take on the easy and light yoke of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would bless this church I see that you are doing it. Lord, I, I thank you f- for these brother pastors that are faithfully leading, that are that are striving for faithfulness in the way that they're leading your church. I thank you for the word that's being preached here week in and week out, Lord, and the effect that it's having. I thank you for uh, the men and women and, and young people that I see that are stepping in to their spiritual gifts and are serving and are leading and that you're growing them, Lord. I thank you for the new life that you're bringing Uh, Lord, how you're opening the wombs in this church. Uh, And we know that that comes from you too. And Lord, uh, there is abundant fruit here. And we know that the credit goes to you. And we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. And I do pray, Lord, that the best days of the ministry here are ahead. And that you would continue to bless their faithfulness in accordance with your perfect will. And we pray this in Jesus' name.